From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul. I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. You know, you and I have been talking a lot about expanding the podcast, and an idea yeah, that, that we yeah, had yeah. was us going on to other people's podcasts and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of telling, you know, different um, different podcasts that talk about different categories other than cars and sure. getting us on there just to, you know, tell people about what we do. And then it led us to this other idea about getting yeah. guests on our podcast. I mean, well-known. Certainly. You know, people throughout the car industry who are either you know journalists or they're on camera or things like that. Well, the people that are people that are friends of ours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I so um, that's something that we've arrived on, and I like this idea to do this mm-hmm. monthly. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be you know all the time, but it would be fun to get other people's opinions on car debates and just say, you know, yeah, agreed. You agreed. know, we know kind of how we think and how we banter, and it'd be fun to get other people on the show. So uh, that's what we're going to start doing here. You bring up that great point about other people's podcasts. I mean, we've been on Smoking Tire. We're going to try to return the favor and have Matt here. He's one of the the guests we hopefully have coming up in the near future. But we are going to go to that once a month thing. We're going to have somebody join us, not only to tell us kind of the update about what's going on with them. That'll be kind of the, the news section of them talking about that, but just also getting them to chime in on the car debates if they'd like to. I think we think that would be fun. So we'll do that about once a month just to mix it up. We've got a few guests lined up already. Uh, we want to get those guys locked in and recorded before we start announcing who they are yeah but of course uh, yeah and, and hopefully we'll wind up on some other people's podcasts i mean i we always enjoy being on smoking tire maybe we'll be on there again probably will at some point hopefully we'll have matt on here but uh yeah it'll be cool to have i mean this, we have how many changes can we try to pack into 2015 <laughs> this is what i'm starting to wonder honestly that's a great point I, I i love this though and uh yeah we've got to return the favor get matt on here and we've yeah, got some other definitely. ideas so we won't definitely. announce who yet just you know, we want to be sure they're mm-hmm. on and, and we get them in here. But uh, I think it's going to be fun because it's going to mix things up and just provide a different uh-huh. opinion, somebody else's take on what we do here. And so I, I think that's going to be yeah, a lot yeah. of fun. And I will put it out there. And, if you and, have uh, suggestions for us, you know, say, uh, you know, oh, a podcast a you've been listening to and you say, you know what? You guys should uh, just go on for 10 minutes on such and such podcast. It really it reaches yeah. a different audience. And that way that would you know bring listeners to us as well as you know help their audience too. bring the ideas. That's I'm yeah, open either to direction, either either. That's a great idea. Either a podcast we should try to be on or conversely, somebody that you think should be on here. We're up for those ideas. You want to send them to us on Facebook or, of course, our email address is everydaydrivertv at gmail. And while you're thinking about the podcast, I'm going to say it again. Please be rating it. We know yeah. that consistently you guys are, are uh, showing up and doing a rating, especially on iTunes. You can also rate on Stitcher if you listen there. But please do a rating and write us a review. Those are the things that help the podcast get found by others, get high in the ratings on iTunes. We see that happen cons- consistently. We have a good ebb and flow in the rating there. But don't hesitate. If you like the podcast, please go on and rate it. That helps us. And give us your ideas for people uh, that should be on here once a month or places we should try to get to, to talk about what we do. And uh, we're, we're open to all of that. And we're back for even more tonight. We've got craziness tonight, though. <laughs> you know, I read a comment. It was either just this last week or the prior week about somebody who wrote in and said that they wish this were a conference call rather than just a one-way podcast, which I thought oh, was yeah, hilarious. Huh? Because, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, we would love to if we can. And uh, one way is to uh, help us out on Patreon. We do a monthly 
uh, call with our Patreon listeners at a certain level. And so that would be yeah. one way yeah, to, yeah. to join the discussion. But in the meantime, you guys have written in with loads, and I mean crazy ideas <laughs> for my next car. And I, I, I've been yes. – we've been talking about and wanting to get back to awesome. this. <laughs> they're awesome. I mean we had a guy that actually sent us a link to a gorgeous Boss 302 we had people oh, throwing man. down with crazy ones. One of my favorites, and you actually read it recently, one of my favorites is a friend of ours, Akim from, uh, Akim from uh, Germany. Yes. Long-time viewer of the show. You've met him, in fact. He came to L.A. with his wife a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, that was you fun. You met him. That was fun. We went to yeah, lunch. Yeah, he, he wrote uh, in. Tell us, tell us about his, uh, his recommendation. That was pretty cool. Oh, uh, man. He, <laughs> he had um, – I'd have to go back and read the email here. Um, what did he say? Well, he here? was talking about he was talking about hey, what about an R8? And he looked up U.S. Oh, prices. Oh, that's and right. Went, oh, that's out of the price range. But that's then he said, right. but not in Europe. So why not come to Europe, buy an R8, and ship it over? And I kind of went, I like that idea more than I should. But of course, it's not my money. Well, I, yeah, I loved. Thank you for writing that idea in. That was very cool. Yeah, that that was a cool idea. But then he did list all the you know import fees, and I, I've never done that. I. Don't know many people who have, yeah. and I'm sure there's yeah. you know hoops to jump through from a tax standpoint, and of course the shipping costs, and then is it going to be safe well, on the boat get, coming over, and all those things. Yeah, you've you got to get it honestly. You've got to get it like steam cleaned so that there's no <laughs> dirt and bugs from Europe that get on the ship coming over. I mean, it's madness. Some of the stuff you have to do is insane. So I actually wonder by the time you do all of that stuff, if you kind of shoot in the head the distant the the uh, the difference in price. I don't know. Honestly, we haven't looked into it, but I love the fact that that idea popped up. It was like, wait a minute, cheaper used cars in Europe. Hmm. That, that's but of course, a great that got idea. me thinking, <laughs> if you were going to do your two series, have you thought about doing the uh, European delivery on a two series? Well, I actually have. And it got me thinking again, being in Munich a few weeks ago and um, going to the BMW Museum there. And that's right where they do customer deliveries. I could see the area yeah. over there. And, you know, you can see, all right, yeah, so yeah. you buy a car, you know, BMW and do European delivery. It's right there. And the thought has crossed my mind from a new car standpoint, all the shipping and the costs associated with it are inclusive in the mm -hmm. price. So it makes it a little bit easier yeah. probably than trying to figure it out yourself. So you can take well, delivery have a and set up, you know, go yeah, drive they have it. a pre-setup system to just do it. You pick it up, you drive it around Germany, you hand it back to them and they just deal it, deal with it, which is right. really cool. Right. And I, you know, it's got me thinking because I do like your idea. I, my proclivities are definitely leaning towards German. I love everybody's ideas, and man, I'm so surprised. I mean, the ideas from <laughs> from the like you said, the Boss 302 to a, a, a Z07 or a ZR1 or the NSX, all these ideas have flooded in, and I I like them. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, yeah. it's helped me narrow my focus, and I will say I'm still not quite there. Okay, here's where I'm okay. at. I love your BMW 1M idea, and I've been looking those up. And then mm -hmm. I, somebody sent me this link to a website called enthusiastauto.com. And they are, uh -oh. they're uh -oh. pretty much all BMW, just gorgeous used BMWs. And they're not paying us to say this. I just say that because yeah. if you log onto this website, you'll see what I mean. They have gorgeous cars. And I'm looking at some of these going, all right, for the price of a 1M, and I've been pricing those mm -hmm. out and they're, they've mm -hmm. dropped, but they're still high. They're, they're up there. I'm thinking, all right, if I'm spending that they're kind of 50 money. Grand. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, some of them are pushing 60, going, Ugh. Sure, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I had suggested to you, what about, you know, spending 30 to 40 and then some sort of cheap, dedicated track car? But we kind of nixed that idea just because that might be too many cars right now. Um, 
<laughs> it's an exciting idea. The problem that I have, yeah, you and I were talking about that the other day. Yeah. Look, we've talked to people before about get your get your normal kind of quasi everyday but still fun car, and then get a focused track car and don't mix the two. For some people, that works, and I think maybe down the line for you that might work. My concern for you that we talked about the other day on this is that I actually think you'll wind up with with your track car being a car that mainly just sits. Yeah, I just don't think yeah, I can that in the that. immediate sense you're not you're going to get enough out of that car. And the problem is you wind up, I feel like, almost compromised in both situations, in your specific situation, because you're going to wind up with a thirty or forty, probably a thirty-five or so thousand dollar normal driving car that's not as hot as you want and then you're going to wind up with a somewhat compromised track car because you only got about 10 grand to spend i actually wonder and that's one of the reasons i'm sorry to beat on it again i like the 1m so much because i think you'd love it in normal stuff and i think you'd love it in track stuff yeah and i also think you'd get out of it and it'd be almost worth the same amount of money i don't think it'd lose that much i think it'd lose some but not that much i mean it's the whole joke about did you buy the car well then you didn't get a deal (laughs) you know yeah exactly (laughs) i mean i'm not not quite at the level where you know it's yeah. buying cars for an investment, and that's not what I'm thinking. But I don't want to just you know blow a whole bunch of money, and then so I'm waffling: do I go for maybe the two series because I wouldn't have to put a whole mm-hmm. bunch down? Whereas you yeah. know at the fifty thousand dollar level, urgh, you got to put a bunch down to get your down payment or to get your monthly payment down. Sure, sure. And I'm looking yeah. on this site, I'm looking at a 2012 BMW M3 with the luscious V8 that I love. It's the same price as a 1M. And I'm thinking, well, why don't I just get one of these? I know I love the M3. I love the 1M. Yeah. But, you know, those are in some cases less. And then they've got gorgeous E46 M3s, manual transmission. there are a couple on there. This is a terrible website. It's awful. (laughs) I hate it. I, you, you showed it to me the other night. I have to admit, there were a couple. There, there was some insane stuff on there, like the six-figure E30. I'm sorry, but no, well, yeah, it's and that's what I'm talking about. Elsewhere. That's just but a collector. You're right. Kind of the thing. E- the E46s on there, there were some gorgeous ones for realistic money that were really, I mean, competition package. And that is, you know, as we talked about before, that is really a classic uh, just M3 perfect combination there. In fact, we, we were meeting with somebody the other day. Uh, we actually were meeting with some fans, and they were talking about they really want us to do an all-generations M3 comparison. Which would be kind of love to. Yeah. We're putting it, you know, kind of on our, yes, we should do this place. We haven't got a spot for it yet. But that E46, we've driven it. If you've seen that review, we've driven it and the E90. And it's great car i can't i can't fight you off at either of those choices oh look at this 05 m3 manual competition package for 40 grand and it's only got 30,000 yeah. miles on it oh yeah oh uh, yeah i look i oh my gosh. <laughs> easy there look at this i don't thing. think you'd have any trouble with that car i think you'd love that car i think you really would there's no question there's no question wow. and i actually personally think that's a more interesting choice than the e90 just because it gets a little bit more analog. Look, that V8 is. is awesome. You I know that I'm a big fan. Yeah. But the but the manual and the steering feel of that of that E46 is spectacular. I if it, it were is. me, I would go 1M or E46 over the E90, but it's not me. We're talking about you. But I love that you're narrowing it down. You're going German and you're thinking BMWs. I wish I was surprised. However, <laughs> kudos to you. Kudos for you to not just working your way back just to Porsche. That is one that is a bit of a shift. I have to acknowledge I'm trying hard because my my heart is also set aflutter by the the late '80s 3.2 Carreras. They're high priced, of course. But, oh yeah. man, and you know that's not really a track car. It's just more of a fun canyon kind of car. But man, I just just something speaks to me there. Just the whole talk of about course. analog. Yeah, but- 
I know, I know, and those are great. Uh, I mean, that that guy, the the red one in our Fifty Years of Nine Eleven film, oh, the red eighty seven that we drove. That's owned by a, a personal friend of ours, Chris. Yeah. Not just a fan of the show. He's a buddy. And he, we've driven that car outside of the 50 Years of 9-11 a few times. It's just spectacular to drive. It's just a great era of cars in general. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know what? You, you mentioned that. And that, I feel like, segues into a, some, a discussion I wanted to have. And that is about what are cars worth? And I feel like mm-hmm. you know, there's been a lot of discussion about how air-cooled 9-11s have gone through the roof on price. I actually think it is, frankly, quite insane but it is an interest, interesting conduit into what are cars worth because you know you and I both right now are in a buying selling range of cars you know I've which is kind of just crazy. sold our it is it just kind of worked out that way in yeah. our lives that we're at a hey let's change up but of course if you've watched you know our recent weekly content we just did the uh, the 2010 Cayenne that my wife and I bought we 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 bought that and sold our uh, our 09 uh, GMC Acadia so I went through the the both the seller and the buyer equation there and then I'm just about probably this week I'll be listing my 92X to try to sell mm-hmm. that guy. Yep. Uh, yep. A couple of you have actually expressed interest in it. I am going to email you back. So here's your here's your shot across the bow. I'm going to email you back and say, are you really interested? But I am going to post that car. Also, that review's coming up in a few weeks. We're going to actually have a piece on that It'll before be it goes away. But yeah, but all of this has had my head very much in the buyer seller world, mm-hmm. and I've come across. Something that kind of frustrates me. I got to be honest. I like that you found cars this. Are worth. Actually, I like that you've kind of well, made this discovery. Although I, I do have the counterpoint. I told you about the one M prices, but I, I'm yes, curious. that's true. I mean, here, here's the thing that here's the thing that happened to me, and I think it's happened to others. And that is this: when you start talking to people about a car you're selling, it happened to me a lot with the Acadia. Okay. I mean, I went in and did tons of research on the buying side, but on the selling side, I had multiple conversations with people about an Arcadia, which was in pristine condition, okay? A lot of people came at me with, here's my printout from, you name it, it was either KBB, Kelly Blue Book, or Edmonds, or Nada Guides. The Nada Guides is the, is the national, uh, kind of the North American auto dealer, their what are car, price, what are car prices thing. Right. One of those sites saying, okay, here's what your car's really worth, Todd. And I kind of had to laugh because invariably they were coming at me with a sheet that was printed out that was showing my car worth sometimes two to three grand less than I had listed for. And interestingly enough, I had it listed. I was being very strategic. I had it listed at the bottom end of the market because I wanted to be legitimate with people. Yeah. But which, what's crazy is yeah, – got to be fair. And I, and I, people are going to talk yeah, you down, absolutely. but you have to be fair to yourself. Of you course. Have to, you know, of if, course. If both people feel like they've gotten a deal, then that's the sweet spot. You know that? Yeah, absolutely. And, but here's, here's the thing I want to bring up. I mean, uh, look, I use these resources too. When you're curious what your car is worth or what the car you're looking to buy is worth, you're going to look this up on those sites. Those are the sites to go to. Do you want to figure out what your car is worth or what the car should be worth? Mm-hmm. That is the resource. I'm, I'm not saying don't use these resources. What I'm finding interesting and kind of fascinating and also for me personally a little frustrating was th- these websites don't set the prices, folks. And I, some people are already thinking this is controversial, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. These aren't setting the prices. These are tracking the prices with algorithms, with the information they have of cars that are selling the price that's on there that's not the price it's supposed to sell for that's the price that those sites think it's worth and those sites aren't always right either i mean this comes back to i hate to say it and i am not gifted at economics but this is basic economics it's supply and demand if you look on auto trader or car guru or name your site if all of the cars you're looking for are two or three grand above what those sites claim they should go for guess what folks that's what they sell for. 
It's what I, the market I, will bear. That's that's what it comes down absolutely. to. Is what the you know, market and is so doing. I, I started digging because I was really curious. I started digging because, okay, you know, I had seen, I looked up the uh, uh, Arcadia on those sites and saw, okay, that's coming in like two grand less than the market mm -hmm. supports mm -hmm. for our car, which was insane to me. Right. So I started looking up other cars because I wanted to see, is this just the Acadia? Am I getting something wrong? I mean, I wanted to be honest about it. And I've actually seen online people are like, well, if a guy's trying to sell anything for above what those sites say, he's he's trying to screw you. What? No. If every car is listed above those, I mean, here's the thing. If if so, you find a car that is listed way above those prices and way above everybody else selling that car. Yes, that person's insane. But on the other end of the spectrum, if they're all above that price, I looked up a couple and was kind of fascinated by where these prices went. I think you looked up some too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, uh, one of the ones I looked up because that was just for comparison purposes. I went, okay, let's look up the 2005 Subaru STI. Okay, that's the iconic one, you know, blue gold wheels, right. the iconic guy. Right. And I just searched it with, let's say it had 80,000 miles. Let's say I was selling this car, it had 80,000 miles on it. 05 STI, what's that worth? Okay, so Edmunds, I've got it here. Let me pull it up so I'm not uh, Which, you know, that'd be astray. fairly low miles for, you know, over a 10-year-old car. Yeah. You know, that'd be exactly decent shape. Exactly. It'd so, be a nice car. I looked it up, and Edmunds, which is a site, we know people at Edmunds. Edmunds is a great site, a fantastic resource. Oh, yeah. Edmunds said that car is worth $9,500. Okay. KBB says that car is worth $19,000. So there's a $10,000 differential <laughs> between those two sites. And then the Nada Guides says it's worth $16,000. So that's right in the middle. I was like, okay. So which one's right? So, of, uh, so criteria and people using different criteria to judge differently. Mm -hmm. So then I went to the market. I just looked it up on AutoTrader, and there are plenty of them out there for twenty-five grand, really pristine for twenty-five grand. Oh, I'm sure. The the beat down one that I found was nine thousand dollars, and it was beat down. Okay, the sweet spot for these cars right now is about sixteen thousand dollars. Okay. And those are running. I've got one right here. It's the one you want. It's it's blue with gold wheels. 05 STI, two hundred thousand miles on this car. They want sixteen grand for it, and that's not insane because the cars on either side of it also want sixteen grand. Really? So that sounds high they... to me. Honestly, that sounds. A little I agree high. with you. I agree with you. But but I I looked nationwide. Okay, so Edmonds with their ninety five hundred dollar figure. Look, I respect Edmunds, but are you telling me with, with that figure in your back pocket you're going to call one of these dealers that wants 16 grand and they're going to go, you know, you're right. I'm sorry. You can have it for 10 grand. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah. No, they're not. And they're not trying to screw you either because it's not like these cars are individual random ones sitting here. I've got a list mm -hmm. of 05 STIs of all kinds of mileage at 16 grand. I find that really fascinating, especially for that car, which is completely all over the map. You know that? Yeah. I, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. It's like, um, you know, real estate. You're paying an appraiser. You're paying for somebody's opinion at that point. And really, it's, you know, the person is taking into consideration, again, what the market will bear. And mm -hmm. the whole mm -hmm. market is about what other prices are selling for. That's why they do comparisons to other houses. Same sure. thing with cars. Sure, sure. They do comparisons yeah, yeah, yeah. to other things on the market. You know that? Mm -hmm. I, well, I mean, this these... I've got. I happen to have four in front of me from uh, from Auto Trader, and all of them have well over a hundred thousand miles, and all of them are saying sixteen grand. And they're, I mean, all over the nation too. I've got ones, 
you know, 2,000 miles away from each other. I mean, these, these, it's interesting. So that clearly is the sweet spot for that car. But yet, depending upon the three sites we called out, it could be wildly wrong for price according to those sites. Right. So I just my, – my, my point here is not don't look at these sites. My point here is look at the market. Know what the sites say. Look at the market. I have an extreme example, but did you look up any of these? I want to go to my extreme one because it made me laugh. But did you look up any of these? I did. And, I, you know, it's the one series, the M, that we're talking about that, I'm, okay. that I am considering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, all right, well, this is a very specialized car. Only built for definitely, one model definitely. year in 2011. So yep. the the most expensive one on Auto Trader here is that's stock. I mean, there's a hundred thousand one that's all dined out and everything. But of this course. they're yeah, asking yeah. sixty four, almost sixty five thousand, with gosh seventeen thousand miles on it. And then okay. there's other ones on here that are fifty one thousand. Okay, something that like seems that. There's legitimate a to me for that for car. Sale. Generally, the sweet that seems spot is to me. It's between fifty-two thousand and fifty-six thousand. We'll say somewhere in there. Okay, all right. And so that I did the same thing. To me. It's it seems. I mean, gosh, expensive. It's expensive, still, but, but yeah. So I went on uh, Nada, Nada, however you pronounce it, Nada. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Price with options. I did excellent trade in, and they're saying clean retail would be fifty-two thousand. Okay, sure. but. You know, Kelly Blue Book is saying fifty-five thousand. So it seemed to be kind that of close, fairly close. And again, that seems like you can use this information as a guide and yeah. kind of say, oh, "All right, here's definitely. the here's the specs I punched in," and it just depends on the person and the car. Funny enough, that car was only offered in three colors, and it seems like the orange ones are more expensive. You know that? Interesting. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that surprises me. I mean, I, mean, I like that did. color on that car, but I like I like weird colors on cars anyway. But that is interesting. I mean, so so you actually looked up one that was pretty close. And again, I looked up one. I think it's because that it's was such insanely a off. Car, though. You know that? Sure, sure. I looked up one that was that was laughably off. To give you the other frame of reference, I mean, I just got curious when I when I started down this rabbit trail. I just I just got you know really curious about what it meant. So I looked up. You'll love this. The nine nine three turbo nine eleven. <laughs> so so a ninety six, <laughs> you know, like the, the sweet spot of the air cooled nine elevens. The, right. the ninety six nine nine three turbo. Okay, uh, that I, is that is the icon of the ridiculous prices of the air cooled nine elevens. I mean, that's I the guy that's going to be here, the most absurd. I, I like this. <laughs> Look, it's an extreme. An ext- it, this is obviously an extreme example. I'm not saying this is the proof. I'm just saying this shows that this is possible for these to be wildly off of each other based on on market uh, forces. Yeah. So I looked it up. Yeah. This makes me laugh because according to Edmonds, a 993 turbo <laughs> is is worth $34,000 according to them. <laughs> if you can buy one of those okay. cars for that price, sell everything to buy one of those cars. I mean. <laughs> so then I looked up Nada Guides because Nada Guides typically runs a little more expensive. Nada Guides said, "Okay, about $50,000." Uh, $50, all right, okay. and, and by the way, I'm putting in I'm putting in seventy thousand okay. miles as the mileage here. So let's just say seventy thousand miles. It's been driven. It's not a it's not a garage queen, but it's not a huge amount of miles. So seventy thousand miles on this car. Edmund says it's worth thirty four grand. Nada says it's worth fifty one grand. So then, forget Auto Trader, forget anything domestic. I just looked worldwide. Okay. okay, Google, show me 993 turbos for sale. I was looking at ones in England. I was looking at ones in, in Europe. I wow. was looking at ones in the U.S. The cheapest one I saw, you want to guess? 
the cheapest one I saw. Uh, I mean, I know they're expensive, and they're pretty much at their peak value. One hundred and forty right grand, grand, one hundred and forty thousand dollars. So a hundred thousand dollars for the cheapest one I found. Hundred thousand dollars more than either of these sites are saying. So my 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 laugh there at that point was, <laughs> I would love to see somebody call up one of these dealers with their Nada Guide or Edmunds Guide printout and go, well, you know, they're only worth forty grand, and listen to the dealer laugh them off the phone. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that these Porsches should be worth one hundred and fifty grand. I actually think that's insane. But I'm saying here's price, uh, you know, the price set by the market forces versus what the algorithm says. So this is a great resource, but folks, this is not the price. The market sets the price, unfortunately. And if you're buying an air-cooled yeah. 911, that's why, how we started this discussion, because you're considering it. <laughs> which is why I keep saying to you, don't chase these cars right now. They're insane. I know, but uh, they're great. I love them. But, okay, I'm, but I'm willing. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm willing. I'm reluctantly willing. <laughs> we'll get there. I mean, now I just got to figure out I financing. Like <laughs> I know. I like that you're branching out possibly into the BMWs, but we should wrench this back into something resembling a car debate. We have an oddball one tonight because it's an ongoing kind of behind-the-scenes discussion we've had with a viewer named Craig who lives in San Francisco. And Craig first reached out to us like a year ago because he had just gotten a Camaro ZL1, and he said, hey, guys, do you want to drive it? Now, right around that time, we got in that one at the uh, the Motor Press Guild uh, mm -hmm. press track day, and we're really impressed with it. But he had said, hey, I've got this car. I'm really liking it. I think you guys should review it for the show. We still need to do a it proper to review. Just, we still need to do we that. We do, and, and we just never really had the chance for it to align with our schedule for us to get to San yeah. Francisco and drive Craig's car. He was being great about it. But then in the last couple of months, his story changed a lot, and I just kind of wanted to talk through the email discussion that Craig and I have been having because it's, it's kind of – it's not really a car debate as much as it's an interesting story about him and, and shopping for fun cars. You know, it's clear to me reading through this email that he is clearly – open. I mean, I admit, unlike mm -hmm. me, he's not really leaning one direction or the other. He's got the ZL1 and mm -hmm. I yeah, I'm scrolling through the email here and it sucks what happened to it, but it's clear that he's moved on and he's really truly open. He really is, yeah. which is cool. Well, we should we should fill in a bit. I mean, Craig did a lot of track days in his ZL1. And, you know, I'm going to acknowledge my extreme seething jealousy right now. His local track is Laguna Seca. <laughs> so he's been going. He's been going. Good good for you, by the way, Craig. He's been going to Laguna Seca and doing, you know, their open track days. Lots of other people on the track. He's been driving the ZL1. He's been loving the ZL1. He was there on a, a cold-ish track day. He was in his first lap, still cold tires. He came around one of the corners. And, of course, this is a car. You know, it's a supercharged car. I'm going to get my, my stats wrong. But it's, you know, it's close to 600 horsepower in that car and he came around a corner put his foot in it on the back end of the corner and the cold tires did not hang on and he spun it off into the wall now that sounds horrific i've yeah. seen the video it's it's damage but it's not like wow i wrecked my car and, and thanks craig so glad that you're okay and the car is mostly okay yeah. but what was interesting is that craig's conclusion was you know what I want to get a car that is not a big bruiser. I want to get a car that is really going to teach me to drive better and has got a kind of an agility to it and, and very communicative. And he's enjoyed his ZL1 so much. But that was just a moment where he was like, okay, I've enjoyed this car. Let's get a different style of car and move on to something else. The ZL1 was able to be repaired. He has sold it. He got a decent price for it. It wasn't, don't get me wrong, it's not like he balled this car up. But it was an interesting wake-up call for him. And I'm, again, I'm glad he's okay. 
So he starts writing to us and going, here's what I'm considering. And this is where this gets kind of surprising and interesting. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I, I watched the video as well, and I'm, I'm glad everything's all right. It's not like the hood crumpled and, you know, glass smashed. Yeah. None of that. He kind of I'll almost call it a tap, not a, yeah. you know, it wasn't a smash by any means, but it was still expensive. He says 3500 bucks to get it fixed. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I can definitely see that, and the the choices, as I said, the choices that he's narrowed things down to for the next car are truly all over the map, and it means he's mm-hmm. he's ready and willing. So, Craig, this is cool, and I'm I'm reading your conversation yeah. here in the email with Todd. So you've narrowed it down to a C7 vet, the nine nine one generation, so the new generation Porsche nine eleven, latest, yeah, latest nine eleven, um, Carrera two, and then finally another car that we've been talking about a lot it seems lately the lotus evora and he's mm-hmm. got all three mm-hmm. of these you realize these are so different cars and very, you also realize all three of them have engines in the different place you know that oh yeah absolutely oh yeah rear it, it, mid this, and front this couldn't be and it's, yeah different different origin different countries i mean i i love that this is where you landed i mean you looked at a little bit of everything you looked at an old 997 911 you looked at uh, the Cayman. You've driven a lot of stuff just mm-hmm. out of sheer curiosity. And what's interesting about this story is that while looking at a round of Porsches and wondering what you should get, you had a Lotus Elise-owning friend who just said, have you ever thought about Navora? And and kudos. I'm applauding that friend right now, Craig, for him thinking of that. <laughs> Sent you down to your local Lotus dealer where you realized that, you know, they've just announced, Lotus has just announced their Evora 400 at 90 grand. And I, I love Lotus, and I still say, Good luck. That is a competitive world. But the thing about that is grand. the current Evoras, huh. yeah, the current Evoras, which are listed at ninety grand, are not selling for ninety grand. A yeah. new one is selling for like sixty-five, maybe seventy. Brand new one. So he starts realizing. Craig starts realizing he can get one for cheaper than a nine eleven. Let's be honest, and he can get a new one. And he drove the Lotus Evora and just went, whoa. This has such a unique steering feel in the market. And he's right. It's very much in a class by itself in steering feel. And he loved the analog feel of it, which he acknowledges has kind of been lost in the 991-911. So that Evora was a little bit revelatory for him. You know, I, I've said this before. and you've, you've driven the Evora. I have not. You've driven actually both the supercharged and uh-huh. the, the naturally yeah. aspirated, the, the S and the regular. Yep. And, you know, just reading about Craig's... Uh, his considerations here. He rented the C7 just to get a feel for it. Uh, the yep. s- was it the same day that he drove the 911? He, he I think? just he went he went down uh, to he he'd driven in a couple of 911s. He went down to L.A. and oh, that's right. uh, from San Francisco, and he rented the C7 to have it as his reference car, and went and drove. As far as I can tell from the email, it looks like he went and drove 911s and Evoras that were available for sale in L.A. Mm-hmm. and kind of. Just that was what his day was about. Wish we could have joined him. That would have been fun. That would have but been that fun. was what his day was about. You and know, I think it was so interesting to hear his thoughts. I, I have thoughts on this, and it's kind of funny because it seems like, uh, Craig, you loved – well, you didn't love it. You liked the Porsche. And it sounds like you actually liked the prior generation, the 997, better. But nowhere am I yeah, reading definitely. like, oh, wow, I really love this car. I have to have it. And so as much as I love them, I'm not seeing – I'm not seeing you get one, honestly. I'm not seeing you actually get one, you know, getting into one and and being happy with it long term. And I think you'd be okay with it. But it seems like it's not really lighting your candle here. And then I come to the C7 
oh, well, I come to the C7 as well, and I think, all right, well, you've already had the Camaro. You've already kind of had Chevy mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. And as great as the VET is, you're also, I'm not hearing um, a really like, wow, the C7, I could really, you know, graduate to this car. I keep seeing this interest in the Evora. And yeah. that's, there's such a problem with this car. And that is, the new one is coming out. So you'd think Mm -hmm. the old ones Mm -hmm. are going to drop in price, but dealers can't move the existing ones they have. So on one hand, yeah, you could probably get a smoking deal on one. On the other hand, don't buy it because you're going to get your money back out of it because they'll probably continue to plummet. And then there's... But that's true of any of these if you buy them new. uh, It is. It is. It just seems like the Lotus is in such a weird position. And if you get one, you have to buy it because you love it and it speaks to you. And you just love driving it. That seems to be the takeaway well, but, that I'm you know, reading here. Craig, Craig remembers. I mean, he had he had old style sports cars years ago, and you know his ZL1 was kind of his entry into modern sports cars. Right. And one right. of the comments that he makes here about the 991 is that he drove it apparently on the nine originally. He drove it on the 997 at the same time, and he liked. He felt like the 997. I fully agree with you, Craig. Actually, the 997 feels smaller and more analog than the 991. Now, the 991 is shockingly easy to drive fast, incredibly well sorted. It is a perfect Grand Tour and a perfect track car. But there is something analog, Some I feel like, and apparently Craig agrees with me, something analog, something driver connection that's a little bit distant mm-hmm. in the 991. Mm-hmm. And since he's coming out of the ZL1 and wanting, it feels like, that driver connection is paramount in his next car, that makes the 911, which he's really impressed by, he respects it, it kind of goes to third place. And then the vet he drove, and he was, like we were, it sounds like, really surprised by it. He was like, oh, how yeah, is this yeah. car this good? Which is our takeaway. We <laughs> drove the C7 and went, I want one. And neither of us are <laughs> yeah. vet guys. Yeah, that exactly. C7 is a great car, especially for the money. And I mean, it's always been a great car for the money, but here's the thing. Forget the money for a second. C7 is just a great car. He drove it and feels the same, but I agree with you, Paul. He feels like the vet is a close second to the Evora. I feel like the vet may be a little bit too close to the ZL1 he already had. I think it's right. a better car. I think it rotates better. I think it's a better package, you know. But because obviously the ZL1 is a great revision of a uh, difficult chassis in the in the current Camaro, the the C7 is kind of bespoke comparatively, if you follow what I mean. So okay, it, you know, I can, it, the I can C7 see feels that. great. Um, you know, it's not like this. You can get a base C7 and it's not that great, but then you can buy a version that's good, that, which is true of the Camaro. The the base C7 is just good. So. He likes the VET, but I agree with you. It's got the front-engine V8 Chevy world that feels a little closer to the ZL1 than I feel like you should go for your next car. I'm going to go with what you always say, Paul, and that is get something that is a new car experience. Mm-hmm. And if we beat ourselves against the wall, yeah. we're going to try that for you next, Paul. We're going to try to get you I'm, in something. I'm smiling because I have to take my own medicine soon. <laughs> you do. You do. But here's the thing. Craig, if, if – if, and this is the huge italicized, underlined, bolded if – if the Lotus speaks to you, I say get the Lotus. You're saying here you feel like it is barely in first place. But because it's different enough than the ZL1, you're not going to see very many of them. You can get a great deal. And because it does speak to you, why not the Lotus? Get the Evora and enjoy it. You've talked here about how much you love the steering feel. That car on a track is going to feel entirely different mm-hmm. than the ZL1. And I think you're going to enjoy just the, this is my car. I mean, look, I like the Camaro. I like the Corvette. 
But walking up to a Lotus Evora in a parking lot is a very different thing than walking up to those other two cars. For, I'm talking at the grocery store now. Oh, yeah, Let alone sure. how it'll be on the track or a back road. I think it's a unique, fun. If you can do it, I say do it. I'm with you. I I think the the biggest success story here would be, yeah, not seeing the Porsche love. You've already experienced Chevy goodness. But mm -hmm. the difference is, Craig, you track your cars regularly here. You know, yep. some of us do, yep. but it's not a regular occurrence, whereas it is with mm -hmm. you. And I think the mm -hmm. biggest success story would be to go find one, talk a dealer down to, you know, dirt cheap on these cars. The floor. And yeah, what you can do. Yep. Essentially steal one, get into one and say, well, look, you know, you want to get rid of it? Give me a smoking deal and get this car as long as you know in your heart later on if you're going to try to sell it for more. Don't plan on getting a lot of money for it later on, but who cares? Yeah, That's yeah. down the road. Mm -hmm. Who cares? You're buying it for what it is now. And I think that could be really, really cool. Get it for dirt cheap. You've got you know this great success story and it's different. Mm -hmm. It's so different than anything else. And again, I have to defer to you because you've driven it. And so you, you know, you can definitely describe the, um, the steering feel better. But just again, from what I've heard, I think mm -hmm. it could be really, really interesting. And, uh, well, it's, it's the that. unique, it it's awesome. the unique life experience. Yeah. It's the unique life experience in this group. Yeah. I mean, the C7s are great, and you could get one later if you wanted. The 911 is great. You could get one later if you wanted. That Evora is in such a interesting place in the market that I, 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 I who knows what the next one will be like. But the yeah. other thing is, you we're only talking you buying a new car here. And in new car world, you really can talk those Evoras new down to a C7 price point, which is shocking. And then at that but, point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th then when it loses value, it's not, yeah, you've already gotten, gotten yourself a little bit ahead. But you could go one year old, Craig, and you could probably get one for 50, which is insane to think about. And one of the debates you've had has been, do you get the automatic, which they call the IPS, or do you get the, uh, the six-speed? I would say six-speed all day long. However, the six-speed is flawed, and so is the auto. Mm -hmm. And you've made a comment in here. You've driven both, and you think it's a toss-up between the transmissions, and one of the things that bugs you, and I can't defend this at all, there's no dead pedal in the Lotus Evora, one of the weirdest things on the planet. There's no dead pedal. Your left foot is flopping around down there. Yeah, that's not good. And when you're driving, when you're driving a stick shift, that feels really weird. And you've said it really bothered you, and I can't blame you because you're right. It's absolutely that way. So since you don't feel like you carry the way on the auto, you're kind of wondering, back to your initial thought of want to be a better driver, you're kind of wondering about you may just get the auto so it's simpler in your normal life, and so you have less to think about on the track, and you can just worry about placement, getting better, driving hard. Okay. I see your logic there. <laughs> All right, Craig, what's your timeline? Is this going to be uh, right away? Because you've got to let us know. I know you will. You're, you're going to write back in, yeah. I'm sure. And let us know what you get because I am super intrigued. You've heard our opinions now. And uh, mm -hmm. I think uh, I think you're all out of excuses is what I think. Well, and, and here's my warning to you, Craig. Uh, we have gotten a lot of – and this actually helps me talk about Fast Blast a little bit. You've seen our flash, Fast Blast, everybody listening. You've, you've seen those, our new uh, standalone cars. And we've said to you, if you have a car you'd like us to do in this Fast Blast review style, send us a Facebook message. We've actually gotten a good percentage of messages from people in San Francisco, which is starting to suggest to me we need to go to San Francisco and drive some cars. If we do, hey, Craig, <laughs> what are you buying? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm going to call up our friend Craig and say, hey, my friend, what do you have? Uh, that's awesome. Uh, you know. 
And, and, it, and if it's an Evora, I mean, we've talked about that car enough, we should really get it on camera, but who knows? I mean, look, this is all theoretical, but I do find it funny that Craig is one of many viewers we have in the San Francisco area that have said, hey, here's a cool car, come drive it. So who knows? Maybe we'll do a, a road trip later this year and, and get out there and shoot some fun. Some I love it. I love it. Well, you've uh, heard our recommendations. If you've got a car debate for your own, of your own, you're looking for something. And, uh, you know, I admit I've got to take my own medicine. But if you want to hear our opinions, write to us, <laughs> everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. And as Todd said, fast blast suggestions on the Facebook page. That way it helps us differentiate the two. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to be doing some traveling here soon. We just got to kind of line up the cars. And uh, also podcasts. If you have podcast suggestions for us to go on a particular podcast you think would be mm, yeah. uh, beneficial, or if you have somebody, you know, an automotive journalist or somebody out in the uh, media community that you'd love to hear from and weigh in on one of these car debates, please write guest. to us with yeah, suggestions. Awesome. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So in the meantime, yeah, uh, yeah thanks for watching and listening. We really appreciate it. <laughs>